Hello everybody and welcome to this dangerous podcast. This is the week what just happened. Boris Johnson announced a second national lockdown in what is the least anticipated sequel since The Human Centipede 2. The decision came over a month after sage scientists recommended the move, confirming that Boris has devoted his precious time to finally understanding the plot of Monsters, Inc. Despite the lockdown, schools and universities will be staying open. I honestly didn't realise teachers were immune from COVID-19. Maybe the government's grand plan is to encourage them all to breed with each other to create a super species of biological miracles who they can grossly underpay. Schools are actually hotbeds of transmission. Having a lockdown without closing schools is a bit like stepping into the rain with an umbrella made out of pom bears. Meanwhile, Keir Starmer has suspended his predecessor, Jeremy Corbyn, marking his clear intention to destroy the Labour left. In fact, he's gone about it so brazenly, it really wouldn't surprise me if he soon prized open his featureless face to reveal the withered head of Tony Blair remorselessly feasting on the entrails of working-class voters. Starmer followed this suspension by demanding unity, which is a lot like running over your nan's beloved cat and then asking her to lend you a grand. Predictably, the US election descended into chaos as Donald Trump declared victory before counting had finished, accusing the Democrats of voter fraud. Maybe this is how democracy really works. Bill Bailey should declare he's won Strictly Come Dancing early Sunday morning and then accuse Bruno Tonioli of dialing in votes from a phone box in Ricelip. Joe Biden looks sure to win, but given that Trump is so clearly an unstable nutjob, why the hell was it so close? It's like boxing a demented cod and then only winning on points. Many liberals say it's because half of Americans are racist, but just maybe it's because Biden is yet another out-of-touch centrist who's as inspiring as a leg of lamb. The Democrats never seem to learn. In a couple of decades' time, as America prepares to elect a fascist regime and finally do away with elections, the Democrats will triumphantly reanimate the corpse of a long-forgotten Clinton before proceeding to lose their last stronghold in California and blame the result on anti-zombie racism. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. My name is Johnny Maunders. My name is Bertie Trail. You're back. You weren't scarred from last week. You're back for more. Not too scarred. Not too scarred. You're back. And a lot has happened in the last week. A lot has happened in the last in the last week. In fact, I think we should kick off. I think we should start with the most current thing, the most black current jelly thing. That Can is. Guess what it is. Yeah. What is it? It's what is the, it? Mm, I it, don't know. No idea. It's either my new office chair or it is the US election. I think it's the US election. I think so too. Yeah, I think I think the US election, as everyone knows, has <laughs> been a bit that happened. Of, that <laughs> happened. That happened. It's been a bit of a nail biter, you know. Three days it's lasted. Three days. You've been glued to it, haven't you? You've been, you've been following have, it. I've I've been following it, and I I know. Before this week, I knew nothing about US politics, like many of you. Nothing about, really, nothing nothing about Joe Biden, really, to be quite honest. I feel like I know more about them and their lives than I do about my own. Before this, you thought electoral college is where electricians go to train? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, electoral college, that's, that's what it is over in the UK. Um, I actually saw someone on Twitter call it electrical yeah. college. <laughs> electrical college is where I went to get my certificate for... Electricals. Your wires. Doing up your insides. So, as of today, literally a couple of hours before we're recording this, Biden has been recognised as winning by pretty much all the media outlets. He has; they've given him Pennsylvania, so he has won as far as the majority of media is concerned. Trump has refused to concede. Is accusing the Democrats of 
fraud, all sorts of things. But there's no evidence for it, is it? It's, it's... I think he would accuse the other, the opposition of, of almost anything in order to get some shred yeah. of shred, shred of what I don't know, really. I mean, at this stage, he should be looking for dignity. That's what he should be looking for. He's gone past the stage of getting that attention to, to push him over the line. He now, all he, all the attention he's going to get now is negative. That's my view. What he has to do is he's got to swallow down. The he's like, he's like that guy, that famous guy from the come down with me clip where he loses and he <laughs> loses his bad little life, Joe. Yeah. You've ruined my election night so you can have the presidency. And all I can say is you've got enough grace as a, dump truck without any bloody tires on <laughs> i think it's quite it. it's quite scary that you know all of that but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've seen that clip about four thousand times i mean yeah um the, the memes have just been exceptional this there's time. been so I've many been memes there's been so many memes yeah and we, we i i uh, sent you the thing well. i sent you the thing yesterday of um someone put like a mock bbc news headline that paul gascoigne has been seen at the <laughs> white house saying that he's a friend of donald trump oh a la, well. a la Moat. Is, is Trump about to descend into Ramo madness? That's I hope thing. not. I hope not. That's the, well, I mean, if he does do that, Lord knows what his supporters will say. Trump so. right now is at a golf course. It's insane, right? He's just lost an election. He's tweeting yeah. that he hasn't lost it, and now he's playing golf. Like, you'd think you'd think he would be working on this. You'd, you'd think he'd be supporting his legal team, but he's playing golf. It's, it's almost like he's in denial. I mean, yeah, it's, he's burying his head in the sand, isn't he? I think what, what's happened is, is he's been there with his team, with the Republican Party officials, and he's said his piece. He said what he wants to happen. But I think probably the, you know, the noise he's getting back is it's not in his favour, is it? Like, And that's yeah. that's just Trump, isn't it? But Trump I, doesn't like it when things don't go his way. So, And, and there's been all sorts of rumours that he's been shocked by how little support he's got, in the sense that obviously a lot of his supporters in sort of the population have been going out protesting there's been rumors that he's been shocked by the lack of support from republican senators mm. um because quite a lot of republican senators have come out criticizing him and yeah, there's also was, was almost not defending he, he came out saying something like every vote matters which to yeah. be honest is kind of you know it's like a masked attempt to, to kind of shut donald trump up and correct what he'd said yeah because that's not what Donald was saying. But, but, but what Donald... It's, he can't exactly come out and say that directly, but he but doesn't want every vote to count, does he? The, the logic of what Trump was saying was hilarious, because Trump was basically saying that, oh, well, I was ahead in all these places, and then suddenly all these magic votes for Biden came in uh, in, the in the middle of the night, and suddenly Biden started winning. Well, that's actually true, but it's because of a lot of these those votes were postal votes, said, which said, generally were kept all counted later. He told he told his elect voters not to vote in by mail. He yeah. said go and vote in person. And now he's surprised that all the <laughs> mail votes are for Biden. That's it. No, I, I I honestly think you know he's. I don't think he's thought through his campaign. Do you think he believes it? Do you think he genuinely believes that there's fraud? Because part of me weirdly thinks that he does. That I think I he's so think deranged and irrational that he actually yeah, genuinely believes has he it. Convinced himself. This is the thing. I think he he honestly, like from from what I've seen in the last week, I think he he needs to go, he needs to go back to school and he needs to relearn GCSE maths because his appreciation for what a winning number is or for any of this stuff, it, it, he just has no appreciation of it whatsoever. You could tell that Biden's campaign, you know, they they predicted, they said, you know, there's 25 percent of the vote left in Pennsylvania. We're very confident we're going to win it. 
to be honest with you, like, the polls on the whole were pretty decent. Like when I when I watched it through, like I started off thinking the polls have made horrendous calls, and they have. Like there's that that they have made horrendous calls, and some of them are just clearly politicised and not based on evidence at all. But mm. some of the some of the polls were very very uh, accurate. Like the one in Georgia, no one really thought that there would be a neck and neck race in Georgia. But look at it in there now. Like Biden is leading by the slimmest margin, and uh, they predicted that they predicted that he would win by less than 0.1 percent, and that is literally what they that they've got. That's literally down to a T. Thousands of votes accurate. That's astonishing. That's astonishing accuracy, really. So definitely, and one of the we'll, we'll get on to sort of. What the result means shortly, but there's also this other rumor that Trump was really upset that the Fo that Fox News called it for Biden, and there's a rumor that he's like called up Rupert Murdoch, and Rupert Murdoch's not answering the phone. <laughs> <laughs> this idea that Trump's being snubbed by Murdoch is is very funny. If it's true, obviously it's, it's complete rumor. It's like he's trying to he's trying to get his mates to help him out, but no one's no one wants to do it because no one wants to be associated with someone like that. Yeah, like, and there's there's obviously been a lot of pro about to get expelled, and they're almost you know they're trying to like they're tr they're trying to get their friends to help them out or to you know to to get that to cover their back to lie for them. Yeah. It's just like look, mate, no one wants anything to do with you. You know, you just gotta like you gotta see through your punishment, really. You got and, and I think you're seeing that is that a lot of the people who I guess have been connected to him but not like attached to him are like trying to disassociate themselves. And I think yeah. what you'll see in the next week or so is the crowd around him slowly thinning because people do not want to be associated with a sinking ship particularly if they've got big career ambitions to be a politician they won't want to go down the sinking ship and they won't want to do anything that gets them in legal trouble or whatever precisely there's uh, been a there's been a lot of protests but even the protests are kind of illogical because in some states you have people <laughs> trump supporters protesting that they should stop counting and then in other states there's trump protesters telling them to carry on counting it makes no sense which I, makes I think, no sense whatsoever I, i'm gonna i'm gonna say it i don't think a lot of the trump protesters know what they're protesting about and well, it's, it's because not, yeah, exactly. and it's because of the misinformation they've been fed from trump's twitter feed you know it stopped the count you know what was he talking about you know, you don't want to stop the count in Arizona, mate. You're behind. You well, know, but also, there was a very real point where it kind of looked like Trump got mixed up between counting votes and voting itself, because he kept saying, "Oh, no more votes." Yeah, I don't, no I don't more votes. There was no, there was no, there was there was no new people voting. It yeah. wasn't like magically people turned up with the voting. I, I think someone, somebody, somebody somewhere needs to explain the concept of polls to, you know, how polling works how collection of votes works, you know, I mean, he should know, you know, he's got to make who runs the postal service, you know, collection of votes, right. Then you, sh you shut the polls on Tuesday. That's what happens. Yeah. And then they all get counted. And then you get some States where you get the, the collection of polls is, is different, isn't it? You get ones from uh, the military and abroad and stuff, absentees and all that. But they've all said they only count the postal ones that are marked for the right yes, day postmarked on tuesday that's on right. tuesday so they, they can't they they won't open anything that's postmarked after that so no. i can't so, and, and and so there doesn't seem to be any issue and that's the whole thing all of these slurs and accusations i have not seen one piece of evidence and every supposed piece of evidence that they produce or every anecdote is very quickly debunked and yeah. like there was a picture during the rounds of um or supposed like ballots being burnt in nevada i think it was 
and then the the county people actually commented saying well actually none of these have the official state sticker on it which means they're either fake or they're old ballots so it's just rubbish and and again there's other the, the other one that keep the trump keeps saying is is that they're not letting observers in and that they were covering the windows with with cardboard but, but what he didn't say was that actually each party is allowed i think 130 observers and they wanted more so they were just wanting extra observers and so uh, that was simple. that wasn't pre-agreed and that's not you know legal so they and were obviously they covering up reps from both like I heard this as well. They have reps from both both party affiliations. They're watching the counting process in every state. It's not like process is completely autonomous. Yeah. The process is is highly sophisticated. And let's be real, like it's it's not been challenged in the way that Trump is challenging it for its entire history. And it's served the greatest, you know, like in theory, the greatest democracy on earth for its entire existence. So yeah. Yeah, and that's what Joe Biden was saying. It's just like, come on. I, I'm sure it wouldn't be the it wouldn't be the other way around, would it? If Trump was winning, <laughs> like, I, and no. well, regardless of that, if it was another race between two politicians, I I don't think there would be any <laughs> issues with it. And how does he suddenly know? Where has he got this information that yeah. there's been fraud? Where's this information coming from? There's none. And when he won four years ago, him and all his supporters were going on about. Whenever people mentioned Russia and that kind of stuff, they were like, oh, you're just sore losers. You're just accept the result, deal with it. I doubt the boots on the other foot, they can't deal with it. No, I saw a great meme. You know, um, you remember from 2016, there was that kind of uh, Clinton supporter st uh, s stood in the audience of Trump's inauguration or something like that. When the results came out, there was, there was, yeah, there was this Clinton supporter sort of screaming to the skies, like, no, you know, with the glasses on, mm. um, just a complete Clinton fan. And, and that person's been used, that person's been abused by uh, Republicans for the last four years and Trump supporters for the last four years. And they're like anti-Clinton propaganda. And yeah. now someone has just taken that picture and put in a, put in a Trump Make America Great, Great Again flag on their hat. And it's just changed the whole thing. It just makes you think this is this is the uh, you know this is just the, the the irony of the whole situation now yeah. is that Trump supporters are saying fuck you fuck you fuck your feelings we don't care what you think you know we won this and that you know all of this um, rubbing it in your face bragging kind of thing but now the shoes on the other foot I mean it's interesting to see a lot of these people you know they're coming out and they're really pissed off I mean obviously there hasn't been many violent riots at all which has probably surprised a lot of people a lot of people have been really good but people are really invested in this no matter what side you're on Hello and good evening. I'm Digby England and this is your Start of a 10 news report this week. Joe Biden has seized victory in a US election that has been described as a bigger toss-up than Donald J. Trump's four years in the White House. Around the world on election night, eager listeners waited and waited for what seemed to go on for longer than Trump's disastrous Twitter feed. Eventually, the American people would decide to dump Trump and elect Grandpa Joe, a sepia and more wistful replacement. The night which turned out to be several days or weeks pending lawsuits long, was full of surprises. Late in the race, candidate Trump's butt was in his stomach when Democratic support soared in battleground states, such as Georgia, in a race that was touted by reporters as tighter than a nun's divine passage. 
He also shattered big time when he realised all three of his filed lawsuits were crackpot, and his latest tweet to stop the count may be fucking him over sideways in Arizona, where he needed more votes to come through but was stuck behind Sleepy Joe, and not to replace his colostomy bag. To the surprise of collective amnesia sufferers and delusional Democrat voters alike, nationwide pollsters fell miserably to predict state scores correctly. This occurred most notably in the state of Wisconsin, where predictions swung more than a blind man in a bar fight, suggesting a 17-point lead for Biden, when in reality margins were razor thin. However, despite the cock-ups, riots and tweets, Biden managed to eke it out in the battleground states with just enough support from his faithful electorate and Zimmer frame to make it over the finish line ahead of Donald Heffalump. Phew. Days later, however, we still await final results from Nevada, where counting was halted by fanatical protesters who infiltrated the ballot centre armed with Trump propaganda and Sharpie pens in a scene that could inspire the next blockbuster Bollywood Bond movie. After the election, Trump is rumoured to have fled Washington in his helicopter with Paul Gascoigne to cohabit with Eskimo people in the Alaskan Delta. When Zooming with Mike Pence later in the week, he claimed to have started his own kingdom of Trumptopia to build a nuclear war machine that will bring an end to global democracy and ballot counting. When questioned about his career prospects post-presidency, he voiced that following world domination, he intended to pursue a career as a hardcore porn star, sharing that unlike Joe Biden, he'd always had the right body for the industry and saw himself as the right tool for the job. If there's anything I've learned from this election, it's that you shouldn't expect to learn anything from US politicians, pollsters or people. Also, that Clark County is a real place in Georgia, not just the name of a fictional rapper from the set of Atlanta who advertises a chocolate milkshake. Thanks. Cheerio. And I think it just goes to show, you know, like, I think the message of unity is, is not one that anyone can really disagree with. People do need, regardless of who wins the election, people do need to unite in the country and there is divide and there's also people who a lot of whom are really passionate about what they're seeing on the tv and what they're hearing and they've got very strong views but there needs to be some kind of discussion and debate again yeah to make I think one of the problems is is that Trump supporters have no trust whatsoever in in the media the establishment and I guess the machine so to speak yeah so likes that trump did things differently that he brought yeah. businessman edge to the and they and and they the problem is they believe trump I, I, I would imagine there are some people who are just doing it because they don't like the result and they're contrary but i would imagine a lot of them genuinely believe it oh yeah you see videos of some of them they, they, really they trust him as well a lot you know they put their faith yeah in trump. and that and that's and that's the worry and i think that's and again we'll, we'll probably get onto this in a minute but that's that's the thing that that needs to happen is that why is this happening you know why are people why are so many people believing in a liar and well and I think that's a good segue i guess for for sort of looking into the results because in a lot of these states it's really really close and so yes but biden will end up winning the the vote the final result will look quite handsome for biden but that won't really paint an accurate por portrait of it because no no not at all there were there were certainly times on tuesday where it looked like trump was going to win Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, when when uh when the the day the the day of ballots came, that's when I was I genuinely believed that. And when and when Florida by a landslide when he maintained when he retained Florida, a lot of people thought, "Wow, he's winning again." Yeah. And I think there was a lot of sort of arrogance on the Democrat side that thought we're gonna have a landslide, we're gonna win back Florida, we're gonna. Yeah. And suddenly that all ebbed away. Yeah, yeah. 
what you're seeing now is quite a weird thing because you have some of the media in America obviously celebrating sort of the liberal media, I guess, celebrating Trump's defeat. But they're sort of saying, well, hang on a minute. This wasn't a major victory. And Trump, as we saw, you alluded to, Trump got more votes than he did last time. Yeah, um, I mean, honestly, he was saying to his, you know, when he made his speech to his party, he said, look, I've made the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest, uh, you know, I've got the biggest voter turnout in your history. If you look at the stats, he got more black voters than he did last time. More Latino voters. Yeah, doubled, more, didn't he? Doubled his output. And, and more female voters. It was actually, ironically, only white men where he got less votes than last time. Now uh, that is, yeah, that is ironic. Which yeah. no one, I guess, I guess, no one would have predicted that. But whether he's actually got people on side for whatever reason, it may be an economic reason or some some other reason, he, he has rubbed off on people yeah. over the last four years. It's, it's clear from the results that his support hasn't collapsed. No, it's just and we didn't know until today that Biden had won. Yeah. You know, that, that goes to show that this wasn't, this was far from over on Thursday, Friday, Wednesday. Like, it was a long, long slog. And okay, there's a lot of mail-in ballots, unlike last times. But, you know, obviously, if, if, if Biden had won Florida, you know, early on, and then, what, the, uh, the Rust Belt, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, we would have known pretty soon, yeah. right, yeah, he's not got a chance, Trump's out of this. But yeah, it's come down to, to the wire, even in Pennsylvania, like and the margins of the states are really small. Oh, they're tiny. Even in Pennsylvania, it's like half a percent. Yeah. It's not a big it's not a big margin. He's probably just gonna be you know, he could even be in recount territory mm. when by the time he gets it. So it's, you would you would argue that's not safe, you know. So that's the thing, is that Trump has been defeated, but it's not it's not, it's not a, overwhelming it's, defeat. It? It's not a complete rebuttal of Trumpism. Absolutely not. It's, it's no. not America saying Trump is Trumpism is dead. It's not America saying that this ideology is dead. I would say Trump has lost more than Biden has won, if that makes sense. And I think, and, and you're seeing this interesting in the media because a lot of the American liberal press is saying, actually, the Democrats have been disappointing and that they should have done a lot better. And they're starting to ask questions. But meanwhile, some of the liberal media here and in the rest of Europe is like, oh, this is amazing. This is incredible. In many ways, I think that's because they're trying to project their own frustrations, their own system on that. 100%. I mean, I think the reasons why, you know, you could argue the reasons we're so interested is because of Brexit, because of the, uh, you, know, you know, because of our own interests in that. Some people actually think that Donald Trump, you know, from this country, I know some people from this country think Donald Trump should stay in to benefit us uh, in a no-deal Brexit. Oh, and I, th- and I think, I think COVID definitely affected Trump's vote as well. I, I heard a lot of interviews oh, with, yeah. with ex-Republican Trump voters. Probably would have won it if it wasn't for COVID, in my opinion. Yeah. I think he would have won it. If it wasn't for COVID. And, I, and I've seen a lot of people, Republican voters saying, hang on a minute, I left Trump because of COVID, because he wasn't, didn't do anything. He was not unsympathetic, lacked empathy and all that. So there's, there's a lot of people, I think. And so I think we should try completely avoid this sort of triumphalism of saying, oh my God, it's amazing. Trump's been defeated because it's great that Trump's been defeated, but the Democrats didn't win by much. And also you look at the Senate. The, oh, yeah. I think that's the biggest well, and, that's, that's, and for well, me that that's a massive reveal there isn't a blue they talk about the blue wave didn't they before the election there's going to be a massive blue wave it didn't happen because the senate in the senate the republicans still, majority yeah the republicans have a, republicans still have a majority in the senate which just shows you that really and truly the democrats election campaign was not an overwhelming success it was a, a moderate success in the sense they won the the presidential election but they, and they spent far more money on it than yeah. the republicans and that's the thing it's that like you know, 
I mean, on, on one side, I would say they have had big victories. They've engaged more voters than ever before in yeah. votes. But, but then you could argue the same for, for Trump's um, side of the campaign. And the Senate race, with the things they were saying about the Senate being a majority, you need 51 seats to, to have a majority in the Senate. They're not going to come out with more than 48 seats. Yeah. You know, and then they've got these uh, these runoffs in January. You know, what that indicates is that you've got extremely divided states, you know, like Georgia, like hugely divided. But it also means that Biden will not be able to do much because you'll have to get it through the Senate and he won't be able to get anything that's that too radical through the Senate because the Republican senators will block it. So you're certainly going to see a lot more compromise and you're going to see Biden having to basically dull down anything he wants to do, which I'm not convinced he wants to do much anyway, but... It's, it's going to be very weak government because he's not going to be able to pass effective legislation or certainly effective legislation that will, that will please his supporters. I so mean, I think, on the face of, I think, coronavirus, I think he will manage to get a lot of agreement from the Senate. That's, that's my opinion. I think he will, because coronavirus is a health crisis. It's, uh, you know, that there's, there's big uh, implications of it that, that, inf- that impact everyone. I think he'll manage that. I think on the, on the face of things like climate change, I honestly think it will be way harder than he expects, mm. uh, you, you know, to get to get his message through uh, the Senate because, you know, the, the Republicans have ties with the oil industry um, and, you know, there, there will be a lot oh, yeah. of... They, the Republican senators will block any attempt to, to pass any sort of progressive climate change legislation. Yeah, I think, I think Mitch McConnell will... Uh, Will will continue being the obstructionist figure that he is in U.S. politics, yeah, and uh, exactly just be a stubborn, just be a stubborn. But I, but <laughs> but but I think it's again going back to what I was saying about it not being a major victory for the Democrats. It's hard because I'm in two minds because Trump is so terrible yet very effective. So yes, he's like, but at the same time, he's been awful and he's been awful with COVID. So I kind of feel like it was an open goal there for. The Democrats to completely sweep the. One hundred percent. You know, like I, I just don't. I, I don't think we'd be singing the praises of the Democrat Party nearly as much if it wasn't for coronavirus. You know, you got to be real. <laughs> That's the reality. I think. Yeah, and, I think and, Donald I, Trump. It would. It would be worse. I think that the the polarity in the country would be worse if it wasn't yeah, for coronavirus. I, I agree, but that's but that in itself shows that the Democrats haven't really sorted it in the sense that. Yeah. Biden, look, I'm working on a hunch here, but I would imagine, almost certainly imagine, the majority of people voting for Biden did not vote for him because he was Biden. We said about this last week, but they vote for him because he's not Trump. There's nothing inspirational about Joe Biden. Yes, his story might be heartwarming, but there's nothing in, from a political perspective of him that's inspirational. And I think he's, he's a centrist, and, and that's the yeah. thing. He's, he's, he's not... He's not a radical politician. Yeah, he's not. He's not bringing. And that's the thing is like a lot of people are speculating now, saying, "Is he going to be this puppet for the for the far left, or for 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 new politics?" And a lot that's of people it. don't think he is because it's like you know, this is Joe Biden. You know, yeah. and, and his his whole rec his whole record. Again, this this again this weird Republican line that oh the far left have taken over the Democrat. Yeah, like the, the far left have not taken over the Democrat Party, far from it. And Biden is very much, in my view, the last gasp of the sort of the centre of, of centrism in the Democratic the old, Party. The old Democrat, yeah. Sort of and, I, and I think I think the worry is, for a lot of people, is that Biden, we have four years of Biden, he doesn't really achieve anything. 
and the problems that have been in America for the last 30 years carry on. The people who feel disaffected feel even more disaffected. The people who are angry feel even angrier. And rather than healing the divide, it increases. And the problem with that is whoever succeeds Trump, or even if Trump stays in whatever guise, may get even more popularity. And that's and that's the problem. As, as I said to you last week, Biden's acknowledged the, the anti-Trump stuff, but he has not acknowledged the reason why people support Trump. And he's not tried to answer those questions. And my worry is, without doing that, it gets worse. Without answering why, why are people turning to that? Why are people unhappy? Without answering that, then it just gets worse. And, I've, and that's what happened under Obama. That, you know, really, like, in a way has been brought out by Trump, you know, like a nasty disease. And yeah. no one likes to see that. No one likes to see what's happening and underneath. And no one likes to see the hate and all that stuff. But, you know, like, you know, we're so used to almost having very binary ideas of, of if you vote for one person, you're this. If you vote for another, yeah. you're that. It doesn't, it doesn't do it justice to say that Trump's an idiot. Therefore, anyone who votes for him is an idiot. But you have to, you have to understand why these things are the way they are before it gets to that stage you, you know like trump i wouldn't want to call him a fascist but you know i wouldn't want to call him a fascist but he might be he could be one he could be one and and you know i think his his way his way of politics is very effective and and we've seen it time and time before in lots of other places you have to be able to acknowledge problems like that before it gets to that stage otherwise it becomes dangerous it's as simple as that i think yeah and and I think it comes to this old, old thing again. Is to acknowledge it. You have to understand it, as you were saying. Yeah, and and like I said, we said last week is the similar with Brexit is people people will put, grow poorer and disaffected, and they felt like they felt very far removed from power from the from the decision making process, and so they're looking for answers. And the Democrats don't give them answers, but Trump was giving them answers, albeit he was giving them the wrong answers. He was getting them to blame each other rather than actually pointing the blame to actually who is to blame or actually trying to solve the situation. The, the problem is, is that Biden is still not answering that question. And I'm not sure he is capable of answering that question. So the worry is, is that more and more people grow disaffected and angry and they look for these answers. And then the next Republican candidate, whether that's Trump again or somewhere else, answers these questions in the same way as Trump and just as charismatically, and they get even more support. And that's where fascism can really take hold yeah no it's dangerous it's really dangerous let's sum this up a one line what's your one line reaction to the to the election result one line or one word or how many words four words we did four words four last words. time so let's do four words i would say a sigh of relief yeah. <laughs> very anticlimactic my, my four words would be scram mr trump prick <laughs> i like that that's good <laughs> it is now clear that one of you leaked they locked out to the media i want you to go away and think about who it was that did it and then come back and tell me the truth uh prime minister there's a phone call for you from laura Koonsberg from the bbc oh hello laura oh we did a great job with the old leaker rudy last week didn't we what do you mean, why did I leak it? How else was I going to get a month off work? Right, so also 
this week. Well, since Thursday, we've been in lockdown again. Lockdown 2.0. 2.0, the sequel. How's it been? How's the first couple of days of lockdown been for you? Me personally? I won't. Lockdown the second. You would ask me. Uh, well, to be honest with you, um, and I know that many people are going to fall off their chair hearing this in anger, it's been much the same as before. In that, I've, uh, I've, I've done very little. Um, <laughs> don't, don't tell your employer that. <laughs> yeah um well yeah I've, I've not done a huge amount um differently to before the lockdown started and and has anyone really i mean other than not going out which i think pretty much no one does anymore anyway i think one of the problems is it it doesn't feel like a full lockdown to a lot of people anyway because schools are still open they're still saying this whole thing of if you can't work from home go to work and there are loads of exceptions they're saying like if you or a tradesman or something you can carry on so really and truly it's basically the same and there are loads of cars on the road and it hasn't really affected anything i think it's too late as well like the sage sage the scientific advisory group advised the government to do a lockdown like a month ago and they said yeah i mean which everyone was saying even if they hadn't really read the advice of the sage, because I mean, you know, if you can see the rate going up, other other herbs are available. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you see the rate going up like it was, and you're just like, you know what, I want to shut the country down. But sadly, that 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 never happened. Obviously, lockdown will affect the economy. Definitely true. But the problem is, is that if our original lockdown had been effective, and testing had been like good, and they'd organised testing in a really good way. We wouldn't even need to be in the situation. I just think we've had a lot of time, haven't we, for test and trace? Yeah. That's so much time. And, and this is the whole thing. Like, this is a thing that a lot, lot of the anti-lockdown people say is that, all oh, lockdowns don't work. Well, they only work because lockdowns in itself doesn't do anything. There are two, there are, there are literally two, um, what's the word? There are two reasons for locking down. There are two things that a lockdown gives you. First and foremost, it's about managing the hospital admissions. So you can slow down the hospital admissions and make make it easier for the NHS. And then people, a medical advisor, were already saying that even with the lockdown, we could have more hospital admissions than in April. The other thing is, is that it's meant to give you the time to put all this infrastructure in place. So the whole point of the first lockdown was a to drive down hospital admissions and make it easier for the NHS, but also to put in place a test and trace system that would successfully manage and control the virus yeah the first lockdown reduced yeah, hospital well, admissions saying that i'm just i'm just kind of switching off because it's just like you know i, I i'm it's echoing what boris said back in april you remember when he was going to say we're going to have a world leading test and world beating world beating world yeah beating, world beating test and traces right what a happened a million pounds worth of that has has done what yeah exactly. and uh, the private contracts to circo who apparently this week were only contacting, what was it, sixty percent of people? So it's insane. I, I've known people that never got a call from yep. test and yeah, trace, yeah. even oh, though they a panorama. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know someone. I know the person who went on to panorama. All that. So I know them personally. Um, yeah. We're in the know. You're connected. I'm well connected to COVID victims, <laughs> as everyone is in this state. And if you were in America, you would probably, if you were in a classroom of 30 people, one of those people would have COVID statistically. Yeah. 10 million cases now in the US. Crazy. And that just shows you what happens if you... Thanks, Donald. 
I'm just but also that that shows you that the sort of let's not lock down and let's protect the economy doesn't work because the virus just spreads and people die. We need a proper test and trace system. We need to hand control of test and trace to sort of local or the local level and give them the power. The local authorities that are doing the contact tracing are so much more successful than than Circo are. And the Circo is managing the national program. Yeah. NHS test and trace or lack of. But yeah, it's crazy. Welcome to Sakir Starbuck's Guide to Being Opposition Leader. Support the government. Wait for famous footballer to oppose the government. And then oppose the government. And the, and the other thing is that's happened is the furlough thing, isn't it? When, when, um, when Manchester got put in Tier 3, there was this big argument with Andy Burnham, the mayor of Manchester, about money, basically. But they were only offering to pay 60% of people's wages who couldn't work because of tier three. And in Wales, when they had this lockdown, again, they said they told the, people, the Welsh government, they told them that they couldn't give them 80%, they could only give them 60%. And then suddenly, now there's a national lockdown, suddenly they have all the money to put, give us an 80% furlough until uh, March, I think it is. Which yeah, funny that. Funny how the tune changes when it's yeah. national. Funny how oh, hold on, now the South is implicated. Yeah, exactly. Oh, now that you know we're affecting areas, which you know around where we live, you know, let's let's suddenly change it for everyone else. Wales is far away enough that they won't come and hurt us. Exactly, and it's it exactly like. beware, <laughs> beware of the world. Oh, Welsh. they live across the border <laughs> in the Welsh wildlands. Yeah. So Welsh wildlands with their sheep. their sheep. I can just imagine Boris going, don't worry, they're not going to come for us, they're Welsh. Well, it's, and it, it sort of revealed this sort of north-south divide thing. And it's a real problem for the Tories because they've actually now got quite a few northern seats. Um, so they could, you know, really hemorrhage votes because of it. But Yeah, I mean, they've managed to deconstruct that red wall, haven't they? I don't think they're going to, they've, got to, they've yeah. got to remember that they need to keep those votes, you know, exactly. they keep that, that support. Um it's going to be problematic for them, but and it, it did reveal that North South divide, and I think that's something that I hope certain politicians seize on the other. Welcome back to this dangerous news. The time is approximately nine thirty-nine and twenty-four seconds. In a minute, we'll have Ainsley Harriet with the weather. But first, I'm joined by the junior minister for something or other, Nick Fumble. Good morning, minister. Good day. Um, I mean, morning. Good to be good to be uh, with you, with us. Minister, the recent furlough debate has raised a lot of questions about a north-south divide in this country. Do you think there's a north-south divide? Do you like southerners more than northerners? That's just not true. Um, I like northerners. I, I of course, also like southerners. Uh, there, there, there is no divide. Let, let me give you an analogy. Um, I really like Doritos. But I also really like Monster Munch. Just not as much as I like Doritos, but I do still like Monster Munch. Minister, are you referring to Northerners as Monster Munch? No, no, of, of, of course not. Uh, I, I, would, I wouldn't say that, but, but um, for the purposes of the analogy, uh, 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 yes. Thank you, Minister. That was Junior Minister for something or other, Nick Fumble. But the other thing... As well as like I said, we they don't close schools and universities. The figures show that 
schools are a bit of a breeding ground for the virus. And and yes, all the statistics and all the figures show and all the science shows that children generally don't get the virus that bad, that bad at all. They don't have the symptoms. That doesn't. That still doesn't mean that they don't carry it. Doesn't mean they don't infect people. And also, schools aren't just students. As a former teacher myself, there are teachers there, and I'm sure there are vulnerable teachers there, um, and support staff, cleaners, all that kind of stuff. So you're basically saying, well, they don't matter. And also, let's not forget universities. And now, because of the second lockdown, an increasing amount of universities, there are already loads of universities doing that anyway, have now said they're doing it all digital, everything digital, everything online. So what the hell is the point of them, them being there? It's oh, just, it's very, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a position I, I feel very sympathetic towards. Yeah. Um, yeah. Starting but, off with the pressure and, and during this crisis is, yeah. Exactly. Not getting any of that experience that they would like. So. And there was a story this week of a hall's residence in Manchester putting up a big metal fence around one of the halls and basically stopping people going in and out, which is it's like being in prison. It's, it's, it's insane. No, it's and, the, and the students yeah. knocked it down. Fair play to them. Like, good for them. You know, like... Who's right? It is to is it to fence people? You know, in and yeah, out. That's yeah. the that's the problem. Is that like, I mean, th- this is the they're thing. charging they're charging people a fortune, students a fortune, to to stay there, and then keep them locked down there, force them to do their all their learning online. Why? I, it's just outrageous. Like, I've no problem with the outline out online learning thing, but why can't they just go home and do it? Like, why? Do they have to be there? Why? And again, it all comes down to the rent thing. That's what it all comes down to. And that's think, why that's why the students were encouraged to go back to uni because of the rent. It's sad for them because they're, you know, you know, they'd, they'd probably find that they'd be better off at home. So they would get zero experience. They're getting zero experience at the moment. And a lot of these uh, halls, you know, I don't think it's uh, a, a pleasant environment to be in in this time you know like and it, i don't think it does good things for people's mental health when they're locked in all day they're vulnerable you have to consider all of that as well you can't go to parties or anything else but you know i think there should be recognition of the fact that those people are heavily affected by it and you know for for, for not going and doing what they would be doing if it was normal circumstances they should get reduced fees they should get reduced University fees for not having the experience. I, I just think that that's common sense. You don't just pay university fees to, to get a degree, you know, no matter what you say, really. No one does that. Exactly. You're there for all the other stuff, the societies, the activities. The... I, t- I didn't go to university for a degree, Mark. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're there for the degree, right? But you're there for the ride as well. And like, you, you, you know... go, You go for the degree, you stay for the drinks. Exactly. Yeah. It, you know, the after party is... Yeah. Okay. The degree is the, is is the is the show. The after party is the societies, the activities, the social life, and and also all the other stuff is what it is. You know, it is what you, it you is. You meet a lot of imp- important people from in your life at university. Definitely, I feel really sorry for people at university. Fight fight against your rental agreement or whatever. Rise up. That's it. Yeah. Talk to your landlord. Negotiate. Do what you need to do. Welcome, Cabinet. It's great to see you all here. Wait a minute. Where's where's the new guy? Ah, uh, Sir Starmer. Uh, Prime Minister, he, he's the leader of the opposition. But he's been so helpful. Last but not least of the podcast, we're going to talk about Corbyn, Corbinio. Um, Corbyn Easter. 
shortly after we recorded the last episode, or it might have been during the recording of the last episode, Corbyn was suspended by Keir Starmer, his successor, following Corbyn's response to the release of the EHRC report on anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. It's basically crazy. There's no justification for him being suspended. I know you don't know a lot about this, so I'm actually going to explain it, so I'm explaining to you. I know absolutely nothing about this, everyone. Um, but I'm going to offer my opinion anyway. Yeah, let, let me explain what happened. So, so the Labour Party got referred to the EHRC, who did a report on basically anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. In their report, they said that there was anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. They said that the Labour Party didn't deal with it quick enough. However, they blamed a lot of that on the system that Jeremy Corbyn inherited. And they actually noted that things improved once Jeremy Corbyn got his own team in there and replaced the secretary of the Labour Party and the machinery of the Labour Party. And it basically did not accuse Jeremy Corbyn of being anti-Semitic, did not say Jeremy Corbyn was anti-Semitic at all. It also, and this is quite crucial, basically said that Labour members, including Labour MPs and Jeremy himself, were free to comment on the report and were free to comment on the extent of anti-Semitism in the party. Now, Jeremy Corbyn responded to the report. He was interviewed about it. And in his interview, he said, this isn't good, that any anti-Semite is an anti-Semite too money. And that he wants any anti-Semite in the Labour Party to go. But he also said that he was clear that the anti-Semitism problem was exaggerated by some of his opponents to try and get rid of him. Now, what he said completely fit in with what the EHRC said, and they completely, their report said that he was allowed to comment on that. Within minutes almost, Keir Starmer had then suspended him for that, basically saying, oh, he was going against the report. Doesn't which, sound like it. Which again is rubbish. And then as soon as he then did it, he then said, oh, now we need unity. Which it's like crazy. You don't suspend your predecessor and then go unity. Woo! Like it's like a sort of Stalin thing to do. Yeah, it's controlling. It's like it's like saying you know it's like telling someone they're just a bad smell. Yeah. You know, like regardless of of actually you know the truth, the, the smell was coming from someone else. Yeah. In and the and, and there's a, there was a lot of people on the left of the Labour Party who saw this coming, who thought yeah. that EHRC report would be used as a stick to beat the left and would be used to try and neuter the left. I don't think people saw it happening quite so brazenly and bluntly like this. I don't think they saw Jeremy being suspended. And there's been a real big reaction because I know of lots of Labour Party members who have left since this happened. And there's now quite a big, I wouldn't say row, but a big debate now happening about whether these people should leave the party because of this decision or whether they should stay and fight. My, my view is it doesn't really matter whether you leave or go as long as you fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that should be the view. Whether you leave or not is your choice, isn't it? It's your discretion. And there's a difference between staying and fighting and staying and not fighting, if that makes sense, and staying and just accepting it. Staying and changing to whatever, you know. Yeah, the, you know, and, 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 this, and this is where the unity thing is quite dangerous. And I've already seen quite a few left MPs so like MPs that are kind of favorable to Jeremy Corbyn saying oh we need to be we need to unite now and the problem with that is is that through the history of the Labour Party the right of the Labour Party has always been more loyal to the establishment than to the party and the left of the Labour Party has always been more loyal to the party than it is to its principles so what happens is is the right pushed to the right and the left go okay well we'll accept that because we want to keep the unity. And this is basically what happened under Blair, is that the Labour Party just moved 
to the right because the left just kept saying okay then okay then and the worry labor supporters and members is that the same thing will happen now so for me the answer is just not to accept it to fight for it and to if you're if you're a left-wing labor party member if you're a socialist fight for a socialist labor party welcome to Sakir starbot's guide to being opposition leader step one Run on a socialist platform, mimicking the policies of your predecessor to win over his supporters. Then win the leadership and destroy the left and suspend your predecessor. I mean, I think, you know, like for the first time in maybe even, you know, like British politics history, Jeremy Corbyn was bringing something totally new to the table with his uh, his swing on on things identified with what he was saying and he brought a lot of key issues into parliament which a lot of people didn't want to talk about and you know he gave people a voice who probably feel they've never been represented in politics before a lot of people probably saw Jeremy Corbyn and thought maybe this guy can represent me for the first time in politics in British politics I can feel represented definitely know? and he d- he definitely moved shifted the argument the argument to the left in, in a lot of cases people weren't even talking about nationalizing the railways and stuff like that before and it's worth noting that the labor party under his leadership the labor party became the biggest political party i think in europe and in 2017 although they didn't win the election he got more votes than any i think any labor leader since blair in 1997 i think which just shows you that there was a lot of people supporting him so this i this idea of you know moving to the right just completely abandoning that is going to let a lot of people down and i think also the the lesson from america is bland centrism doesn't really work it doesn't inspire people and there's a lot of people now that think well what does keir starmer represent like whether you like jeremy corbyn or not you know what he represents you know what he stands for no one knows what keir starmer stands for and that is dangerous, I think. Agree that I think, you know, if, if you're trying to inspire people with nothing, <laughs> you yeah. know, or with anti, anti something, it, it doesn't quite cut the, you know, because I almost feel like Clinton's campaign um, was anti Trump. But yeah, I, didn't, I didn't look at Clinton if, and think, if you, if you stand for anything you stand for, because there was nothing that really is or made me think there's something that she stands for, which is different. You know? Exactly. If you identify yourself by who you're not, as opposed to who you are, people will not vote for you and if they do vote for you they're not going to vote for you in the numbers that's like going to school and being like i don't hang out with them they're not cool i don't hang out with them i don't like them i don't hang out with them they're dangerous i don't hang out with these people because this it's everything's a negative if you're that person who says i love doing this you know i want to go and do this i don't really care what they want to do this is what i want to do i want to you know i want to play a banjo or whatever okay i want to do gymnastics Whatever, people are going to be like, some people, not everyone, but people will start to think, okay, I quite like that. I like what he stands for. I like what he does. And they'll respect you more. If you're a Labour member, a Labour supporter, a Corbyn supporter, fight for Corbyn's reinstatement, fight to defend Corbyn, fight for a socialist Labour party, fight for what you believe in. That's it, really. Stay dangerous, keep dangerous. Got any final words to say, Mr? Well, I do have one thing to say, and it's something I wish I'd said earlier. What's it about? about so okay what does the incumbent president of the united states say to the new president of the united states in 2020 what does he say biden
Thank you very much for listening, guys. Subscribe, like, stay dangerous. Bye-bye.